0: Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. This is your first time joining us. Hey, go to radiantchurchsc.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're gonna donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Families are complex. Am I right? (laughs) And most of us, I'm sure, you know, we wish that that were not the case. But most of us wish our families were simple and loving and put together. Um, Our points of comparison are are pretty limited, too, right? Like we had friends whose families may have been healthy and functioning, or, you know, like we had the Waltons or Tanners or any other famous fictional family that came on TV each week to kind of look up to. And they helped shape our idea of a picture perfect family. But today, you know, we have social media. And so now we see everybody's family out in the open, and we scroll through our newsfeed, and we watch the reels and the stories, and we think, man, like these guys just have it all together. Our family is nothing like that and we may not want to admit that. So many of us feel pressured into building the perfect family simply because we see what we think are versions of better families on social media. And we see other families who seem like they've got it together and we start wishing that, you know, our kids would take those kind of pictures and we wish that we had the fancy holidays set up our friends and families had, you know, in barns and stuff like that. Like our marriage is not nearly as excited uh, as their marriage might be. We never travel but like those, those guys, that couple, they're like world travelers. How do they find the time, you know? But there's another side to our search for the perfect family. It's one with roots that go into our own past, our own upbringing. Things were just maybe unstable. Our parents constantly fought, or maybe one of them walked out on us. Our brothers and sisters may have, you know, had their lives kind of messed up. Maybe you came from an environment where all you knew was chaos and instability and tension. And you cringe when you hear the word family because it brings up memories that honestly you're just trying to forget. Do you know the number one thing that 70% of Americans wish they had for their family, outside of wealth, of course, right? Because we all need money, Uh, is stability. Stability, yeah. People want strong, healthy, stable families, but only three every 10 say their families actually achieved that. And so we hear labels like dysfunctional and messy, but is that really so bad? Every family to a degree is sort of dysfunctional, like we're human, right? And every time we deal with humans, it does get messy. Life's just like that. Life is complicated and complex and messy, and so are families. So how do we build strong families? How do we help our family become healthy? How do we get stability in our homes? And that's what we're going to tackle in our family series. And the first thing I, I want you to know and to accept is this family is messy. The, the video you saw coming into the message, I think, is perfect for this teaching because it's so real. Family is about you know, not being perfect and neat and put together, it's actually about being complicated, it's, it's complex. There's multiple people with different personalities and struggles and strengths and issues being blended together into this, you know, kind of messy sort of thing. And, and that's okay, because life's messy and life is complex. Don't run from the complexity and the mess. Instead, let God work through it, okay? I believe Psalm 127 holds the key to building strong, stable, healthy families. Check this out. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. We want to help every family know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference. And if you'll stick with us for the next few weeks, we'll help you get started on that very path. And the very first place we're going to start, I think, is with the most important relationship within your family outside of a relationship with Christ. Together with Jesus, this relationship forms the foundation of a strong, stable family. We're talking today about your marriage. Now, if you're not married, don't tune me out. Uh, because this message is for you too and and if you've been married but you're not married anymore for for just different reasons this message is also for you because see you guys have friends and family members who are married or who aspire to be married at some point they're going to find themselves in a rut or in a conflict and what you're going to learn today could really help those guys out so pay attention to this message all of us, regardless, right, we want to see healthy marriages. We, we want healthy marriages for us, for our kids, for our friends. We don't want to see divorce. Divorce destroys just so much. In fact, one of the reasons many millennials are skipping marriage altogether is because of the pain they've experienced through parents who are divorced. About half of the millennials who live together, um, they never have any plans to get married ever. Two-thirds of kids born today will be born to parents who aren't married. They're living together, at least for a time anyway. But at some point, that relationship might end. One parent might move out, even though a marriage didn't take place. And so those kids, they'll they'll still have two different families that they'll be growing up in. And I know the trend, man, is, is to move in together. It's been that way forever. And just honestly, today with inflation and sky high rent, it's not too wild and crazy to do it purely out of economics. I completely get that. But culturally, Again, the trend's happened for a long time. The two folks move in together to see if this marriage thing could maybe work, you know, without actually committing to it. And I hear pastors and leaders, you know, they always talk about a desire to change this trend. Um, we already identified divorce as one of the catalysts behind that. But here's another reason. Um, many marriages are just simply miserable. <laughs> I mean, think about this for a moment. How many people in your circle of friends and family are really, truly happy in their current marital situation. It's not as many as you think, right? Like off the bat, I can name like almost a dozen people in my circle that, that that I could say that that's them. They're talking about separation, about how they're just two different people who aren't compatible anymore. They're talking about all the fights they've had, how they never go out, and if you were just like real for a moment, like how their sex lives are completely dead. It's been months or whatever. I mean, it's you know you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like in fact, you may be watching and listening today, and you would say, well, that describes my situation. You know, young. Younger people, man, they see that. Who wants to be married if like that is your future? One thing too the pandemic did that we just kind of went through was it revealed to us just how healthy our marriage. Uh, is. And if you have kids, man, they really learned quickly how healthy your marriage was. Like You can't spend that much time with your spouse and not have tension and conflict. That, that, that part's normal, but what's not normal is for the tension and conflict to increase and just never end, to never get resolved, to be swept under the rug, to try to hide it. Maybe, maybe you're trying to hide it so no one notices, so your kids don't see, but people have a sixth sense and they can tell when things just simply aren't right. We want our marriages to work. And we want our future marriages to work, too. And what I want to do is share with you just four foundational, very practical keys to having a healthy and stable marriage. And these are keys based in Scripture. They're keys that my wife Shana and I use in our marriage. They're keys that people have been married for 30 and 50 plus years have used. And so if your marriage is already healthy um, or or you're not married yet, these are for you. Okay, Use them as tools to help you stay healthy and encourage others if you're not married, to stay healthy in their marriage. So let's get real. Let's get practical today. Let's start with the first key, and that's this. You, know, you want to focus on the positives, on the positives. Proverbs 27:15 15 says this. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping your complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something together with greased hands. Good luck, in other words, right? Um, Now, i got to make an important clarification. It doesn't matter if the person we just read about is a man or a woman, because some of you guys, you have husbands who sound just like the woman we read about, right? So listen, this point here is that you have a spouse who's looking for something to be negative about, and they're determined to focus on those negatives. And that's why the author says stopping them is like trying to stop the wind. You just can't do it. You know, if you're looking for something hard enough, you will find it. I mean, vultures look for things which are dead. Hummingbirds, they look for like the life-giving nectar. Both are constantly searching for what they desire and, and they're going to find it. And so here's the takeaway. If you're only searching for the negatives and the criticisms in your spouse, then guess what? all you're gonna find is what you're searching for. You're gonna view them in a negative light. Uh, If you search for the positives and the lovely things, well, you're gonna find those too. There's no magic pill here. It's really up to you what you find in your marriage. Are you looking for what's lovely and positive about your husband or your wife? Or are you only focused on all the things which just irritate and frustrates you. <laughs> it's funny how what initially attracted us to our spouse can later become the very things that irritate us. Because we're just most of us are so different. I, I'm kind of a nerdy guy. I love to read and research. I love to write. I love golf and sports. And that kind of I'm a little bit of a clean freak too. My wife is the complete opposite. She'll leave dishes in the sink like all day. Now I promise that I I would let you guys know she does clean them at the end of the day. But I want them cleaned like right now. Okay, <laughs> so. She can build anything. I can't build a thing. I can't even put Lincoln locks together. She's got great carpentry skills. Um, she loves to take life easy and arrive like right on time. I have a heart attack if I don't get somewhere five to ten minutes early. And for the record, we're never late because of me, okay? Uh, But that's what makes it all work so well, right? The fact that God brought two people who are totally different together is is incredible. And you need to allow the reasons you fell in love to, to, to flourish and to bring you joy instead of frustration. And while we're here for a moment, instead of trying to change your spouse, this is important, and criticize, and focus on the negatives, why don't you praise their positives and decide instead to change yourself? Our thoughts shouldn't be, how can I change him, how can I change her? They should be, what can I do or say, which allows my spouse to be their very best by God's design. How can I change me to live up to that? Focus on the positives. here's the second key. Now i got to admit something, too, before we get to it, that many of you will find you know, impossible to believe, but it's actually very true. Shane and I live married for 12 years next month, and in that span, um, we've never had a huge, major, knockdown, down drag-out, very intense fight. I mean, we've argued, we've fought, but we've never thrown things, never called each other names, never used profanity, never fought to the point of tears. And one vitally important thing that we stay clear from, like we never threatened to leave or threatened to divorce the other person to end a conflict. like We don't even joke about that. It's, it's not even an option for us. But I'm going to tell you why we've never had an intense fight like that, and it stemmed from a decision we made early on. when We first got engaged. I'll share more on that in just a moment. But our plan from the beginning, we were engaged in handling conflict, was to make sure that we would never keep score. Very important. We never keep score. Uh, We read in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, that love doesn't keep records of being wronged. Too many people keep score in their marriages. And what I mean by that is you don't forgive and bury what the other person's done. In fact, for some of you, it's, it's just far more important that you win the argument, that you're always right, that you come out on top as the victor. And so what happens when a fight breaks out and the intensity of the argument kind of begins to creep and build up, you know, you remember what your spouse did last week, so you call them out on it. What do they do? Well, they remember what you did, you know, like last month, burn, right, you know? And if the argument keeps going and raging, you keep finding things in each other's past that you bring up until finally, one of you brings up something that hurts so deeply, that cuts so, so deep and intense, it shuts the other person, you know, down. They thought that you had forgiven them for that thing. They thought you'd put this behind you years ago, but now it's kind of out in the open, and they realize that you still hold this very hurtful wrong against them after all this time. Your forgiveness was just, you know, like lip service. It didn't mean anything. And so this is how you still see them as far as they're concerned. So suddenly, they don't want to fight anymore. They're done. So congrats, like you won the argument, but you kind of lost your spouse in the process let me tell you why it's so important we never keep score because not keeping score reflects the character of God. Lord says this in Isaiah forty three twenty five. 25, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. You know what God's saying here? He doesn't forget our sins. You know, he's, he's God. He doesn't forget anything. He's omniscient, knows everything. You know, by the way, like you don't forget what your spouse did either, right? Of course not. Of course. You remember what your spouse did. <laughs> we all do. What God does is something far greater. He buries our sin. He forgives us, and He makes a conscious decision not to remember, not to bring up ever again our sins. God will never throw them back in your face. And so once God forgives you, He chooses to never bring them up again. God doesn't keep score, and neither should we. So forgive your husband and forgive your wife. Bury those wrongs six feet under, let them go, and you got to move on. Now back to those engagement talks I talked about earlier I said I would come back to. Uh, These are really important, especially for those of you who aren't married yet, so pay attention real quick. Part of why Shana and I, we don't get into intense arguments is because, you know, yeah, we never keep score, but we chose what to argue about a long time ago. When we got engaged, we had the hard talks we decided how we would handle our finances how we would raise our kids what principles you know we would live by and we committed ourselves to those decisions and because of that we don't fight over money we don't fight over how we should discipline our kids. We know what our principles for parenting and finances are, and so we, we let them guide our choices. And I'm picking those two topics because those are the topics that, that cause more fights to break out. More fights break out over finances and parenting than anything else in a marriage. So When you create principles and guidelines for some major choices early on, your marriage it will radically change that relationship. And so what we did was we eliminated the two most common arguments married couples have before we ever even said, I do. Now, here's the third key for having a healthy marriage, okay? Healthy, stable marriage. Ask for help. Ask for help. I've taught with numerous married couples who are having issues and want solutions for their marriage, and all of them are different, of course. But there's one key denominator which ties all these different folks together, and they they just don't want to ask for help they want their marriage stronger, they want it healthier, they want it stable, but no one wants to put on, you know, put down their pride and admit that, hey, I, we, we have to have help here. And so now eventually what, what happens is one spouse will say, you know, I've had enough and, and, and we got to we gotta get help. And so the other spouse will say, nah, I'm out, I'm not going to do that, you know. So sometimes I'll get a response that kind of goes like this. Well, that's nice to be pastor, but like we'll handle it, okay? We're adults. Well, I know that, but, you know, put your big boy, girl, on pants on, okay? And, And make sure that you ask for help, because if you don't, it's only a matter of time before your marriage will end. You can't fix your marriage on your own. You know, my truck has an issue. It doesn't fix itself. I know it's crazy, right? I I don't wait for it to fix itself. I don't hope it gets its act together in a couple of weeks. Like what I have to do is take it to somebody who knows what they're doing, who can look into it, who can through a process repair the issue so it can run to its fullest potential. You cannot fix your marriage all on your own. Proverbs 13.10 tells us this, that pride leads to conflict. And those who take advice... Or wise. 13 13. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Last 1, 15, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. There's something the book of wisdom, which is Proverbs, is trying to tell us here. We have to have help. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. In fact, it's a sign of weakness to give in to your pride and refuse the help. That couldn't impair the problem your marriage is having. We, we don't have time for counseling. You say, well, you got to make time for counseling or else you're going to end up making time to drop divorce papers with some attorney. You got to make time for that. And I know this key is, is, is hard, especially for some of you, because I want your marriage to thrive. So ask for help. Ask for help from the from the right people too. Like don't turn to the guy who's been divorced three times. Don't turn to the person whose life is a mess, they can't get their act right together. Look to the couple who's been married fifty-five years. You know, Shane and I were blessed to have parents and grandparents who are married for 30 and 50 plus years. So it's a no-brainer for us. We look to them as models for what healthy marriages look like. Now they're not perfect. I mean they, they have their ups and downs for sure. But they're healthy. I mean, we, we, we don't go to our unmarried friends for help. Love our unmarried friends, but most of them have not been in a marriage yet, and they wouldn't know how to help us with it. Uh, we, we don't go to family members or friends who've had three marriages for advice. There's a reason they've had three marriages, right? Like we live to people who've done it God's way for multiple decades. You don't stay married, man, for long periods of time anymore in our culture unless you're doing something right. So, ask for help. Don't fix it on your own. And your marriage will come back healthier and stronger than it was before. Now, here's the final key today. And it's one that you probably haven't even seriously thought about, but it's a very important key. It's a foundational key. And that's why we grouped it together with these other three. The last key to a healthy, stable marriage is simply this. Laugh a lot. You say, Pastor, that sounds crazy. Why is that important? Look at this, Proverbs 17.22, A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. You know the great thing about God? He's full of joy, right? He's full of love. He's full of laughter. If there's one negative aspect, it drives me crazy about Christians it's this lack of humor some people have. Like, everything's always so serious. Everything's so super spiritual. And while there's a time and a place to be spiritual and serious, and it ain't 24 seven, okay? I-, I think so often we make God out to be something he's just not. Like, we imagine this very high, serious, British accented King James vernacular divine being who never smiles and never jokes and never laughs. And, you know, I kind of mentioned this in our in person Easter service last week, but, you know, look, like, we're made in God's image. And that means our humor has its roots in the heart of God. We have a sense of humor because he's got one, okay? If you ever doubted that, Just look up our friend the platypus. Now, I think it must have been the last animal God made. I can kind of picture it now. God looking at Gabriel saying, hey, hey, Gabriel, watch this. They will never figure this thing out. The platypus has webbed feet, a duct bill, it lays eggs, and it's a mammal. And the guys have venomous spurs, like poisonous spurs. The first scientist to discover one in 1799, he actually thought someone played a prank by sewing different types of animals together. Now, I mean, that's crazy. You tell me that God didn't have a good laugh at that one, because I am sure that He did. When you laugh, you have fun, and you begin to focus on the positives, and you forget about the argument, and you actually draw closer together. In fact, check this out, laughter produces antibodies in us that relieve stress, pain, and get this, heart disease. Remember the proverb we just read, a cheerful heart is what is good, medicine. So, God knew what He was doing when He programmed us to laugh, to enjoy ourselves, to have fun. It lifts our spirits, and it heals our brokenness. A broken spirit saps a person's strength. So, the proverb tells us, there's going to be multiple moments when when one of you, and sometimes both of you, you're going to be broken. When we're broken, we don't have the strength to do anything. We don't want to do anything. We get into this kind of downcast mindset, and we start to focus on the negatives, and suddenly our world goes from colorful to gray, and it's in those moments when, man, you just really need a good laugh to heal your soul. Some years ago, we were living in Charleston before we had kids, Shayna was having a, just a really hard time with a particular issue that kind of followed her around for a few years. And so I came home from you know, the office that day and I couldn't find her anywhere. And all of a sudden I heard the garage door shut. And so I was thinking, well, she's gone on the garage to work on something. It's where our tools and workbench is at, you know? And so I go into the garage and she is just having just this massive breakdown. She's got her key out and she's trying to get into the car door, but she forgot we had like keyless entry. <laughs> so she's frustrated. Uh, and she kind of throws her key down and she slams against the door and she slides down and she's just sobbing. And I, I'd never seen her like this before. Um, I've never experienced this with her. And, and, and I'm always kind of, you know, I'm very uncomfortable with people crying. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not a crier. So it's always, it's kind of odd for me. Um, I don't know why, it just it just this. But I can tell you this though, in that moment, I felt helpless. And that's the worst feeling for a husband. I, I believe God biologically, psychologically, emotionally programmed men to be leaders and providers and caretakers. So when we don't know what to do and we can't fix it, It's the worst feeling ever, and I had no idea how to fix this situation that she was dealing with, because it was just way above me. The only thing I knew to do was just wrap my arms around her and and cry with her, and I think for almost an hour, we probably sat on the floor in that dinky garage, just crying. And then I got an idea. I said, hey, you know what, babe? We're going to go to Myrtle Beach this weekend. Now... (laughs) Myrtle Beach means different things to different people, especially in South Carolina, okay? But to us, it's putt-putt. It's the putt-putt capital of the world, dude. So when my wife and I, we play putt-putt, it is cutthroat, it's trash talk. Don't come play putt-putt with us if you want to have fun because we ain't going to roll like that. It's all about winning for us. But in that moment, we knew we just needed to have fun. So the only time in our marriage, this is no joke too, when Putt-Putt wasn't a competition was that day. We just had fun. We looked stupid, we looked goofy, we shot between our legs, did all kinds of crazy things. you know. We went to a bunch of different Putt-Putt places, we walked the boardwalk, all that kind of stuff. And we just had so much fun, and the healing really started in her life that day. And the issue was, was still there afterwards, but it didn't rob her for joy anymore. It didn't break her anymore. You know why? Because Proverbs says, laughter is cheerful medicine. Now, God did a miracle, and later on that issue was taken care of, but we've never forgotten how powerful that lesson on laughter was. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, we've just had days like that, where one of us is hurting, and the other is there to not just walk through the pain, but also bring joy and laughter and so much fun, that we forget about our pain, our broken state, and we experience healing. I think one of the best things about being married is just being able to laugh at each other, and at times laugh at each other too. When we're experiencing joy, we're not experiencing brokenness. Instead, we're experiencing healing. So four keys which can help you build a healthy, stable marriage. Focus on the positives. Never keep score. Ask for help. Make sure you laugh a lot. Now, these practices by themselves, are not going to guarantee you a healthy and stable marriage but they'll help you build and retain one, for sure. Now, there's one more key, a bonus, if you will, that can absolutely guarantee a lasting, healthy, stable marriage. You ready for it? It's the most important one. A relationship with Christ. If you build your marriage on Jesus, He becomes the center of all you do, I can assure you that you'll have a healthy marriage. In fact, all these keys we shared today, they emanate from a relationship with Jesus. They're part of his character and part of his nature. When he's at the center, when he's the foundation that you're building your marriage on, you will have a healthy, stable home. What if you made the decision today to place Christ at the center? What if the real reason your marriage is on shaking ground is not because of your lies or addictions or all the things that we've kind of gone through over the last couple years of the pandemic? What if the real reason is because Jesus has just been completely absent? Well, today you can write the ship. You can make a choice to follow Jesus and place Him at the core of your marriage. If Christ is the foundation, you'll be on the path to a healthy, stable marriage, one which will have plenty of ups and downs for sure. But in the end, it will be a marriage that your kids can look up to and your kids can learn from. Maybe you and your spouse are already following Christ, but you're experiencing you know, like a rut. And you've hit some bumps, and some of the keys you talked about here today have kind of hit you hard. You know you need to, you know you need to focus on the positives. I've been doing that so well. Know you need to stop keeping score. Know you need to ask for help. Maybe you realize we don't laugh enough. We don't have fun enough. We've got we to gotta make sure we do more of that. So what if you started employing those keys in your marriage? What kind of change could God bring about in your relationship here today? I want to do something for you real quick. I want to pray for you out there, everybody who's watching and listening here today. I want to pray for your marriage. That your marriage to be healthy, be stable, that Christ would be at the center of it. So Father, I thank you for every person who's watching and listening right now. God, for every marriage that's out there right now, Lord, I pray for healthy, stable, strong marriages. God, I pray that we would focus on the positives. Father, that there would not be any kind of critical spirits, any kind of negativity, but Lord, our, our folks who are watching and listening out there would focus on what's positive and change themselves. Don't change their spouse, but try to change them as, as, to be the person you've called them to be. Lord, I pray that they would uh, just 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 never keep score in their marriage. God, they wouldn't bring up the past. God, I pray they would have that forgiveness that they would live in and walk in. And Father, may it just emanate you and your example of never bringing up the past again. Once it's forgiven, it's done. We choose not to bring it up again. And I pray, Lord, that as they choose not to keep score, it would bring about trust and healing in their marriage. And Father, may they ask for help. So so often we find ourselves in a place where pride gets in the way. We don't get the help we should get. May we lay down that pride and that ego and go to those people, Lord, who who can help us. Who've been married. the right people, right? The people God have been married for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Who can give good, godly wisdom and advice on what to do in our situation that we find ourselves in. And I pray, Father, too, that we will learn to laugh a lot. Laughter is that cheerful medicine that we need. Help us, Lord, to learn how to have fun, to celebrate each other, God, to be there for each other on those days that are just a grind, and the days are just really rough to walk through. May we use that cheerful medicine to bring healing and to lift each other up. And Father, most importantly, I pray that we just put Christ at the center. May Your Son be the center of all that we do in our marriages, and our families, and our relationships. And God, I pray that as we make Christ the center, that He would bring about trust, healing, restoration. But Lord, He would also build our marriages and our families to be strong and healthy, and, 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 and in the right place. We thank You. We praise You for what You're going to do. We ask all this in Your name. Amen.